0: Everything connected to Marceline was a thrill to us, coming as we did from Chicago. The cows, pigs, chickens gave me a big thrill. And perhaps that's the reason we use so many barnyard animals in the Mickey Mouse and Silly Symphony pictures today. Who knows? Walt Disney. This week on Slice of Disney, Marceline, Missouri, Part 2.
1: There's only someone there.
0: Welcome to Slice of Disney, an awesome Disney hometown podcast. I am your host, Kelly Washington, Disney-obsessed enthusiast and real-life Tinkerbell.
2: And I am your co-host, Will Lentz, occasional Disney-goer and real-life piece of bark from the Dreaming Tree.
0: Oh, I love that one! Yeah, Will surprises me every week with what he's gonna say. That I would say is one of my favorites so far.
2: Okay, cool. I'm not doing it for you, so. Boo. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, I'm gonna start this episode with a quote. I'm glad I'm a small town boy, and I'm glad Marceline was my town. Walt Disney.
2: There you go. I uh, I identify with that quote, with the exception of Marceline, because I'm glad I'm a small town boy
0: from. Paducah.
2: Yeah, I'm not, not not quite as small as Marceline, but uh small all the same.
0: I've been posting on my social media a lot of pictures that we took in Paducah and I've had a lot of people comment like, Wait, i I went through there or what are you doing really? there? Like more people knew it than I thought. Yeah, that
2: that's that kind of that's kind of the experience of Paducah, honestly. Like there's yeah, you know, quite a few people are like, Oh, like there's not a lot to in this general area, so mm-hmm. people have either driven through it or around it or know someone that went there, so um small town but uh but a lot of people have some type of weird connection to it so I like it and now all of our listeners do too
0: <laughs> True
2: Before we get into part 2 of Marceline we have some really cool stuff we want to talk about uh but first you have a Disneyland sort of update and the fact that you made a little trip an excursion as it <sighs> were
0: I braved the outside world and went to downtown Disney I rocked my Marceline main, original Main Street USA shirt that I got at the museum. Yeah. And I wore my bougiest ears that I own. I wore a face shield and my mask and also had a, one of those hook things to tighten the mask. I felt very safe. Granted, I didn't really put myself into situations where I would have felt unsafe some of the stores got a little crowded at points just just because uh Mm -hmm. people were not following the arrows on the ground (laughs) but overall uh it felt so good to be back just to hear the music i literally just want to go sit in between disneyland and california adventure and just sit on the ground and listen to music for like an hour
2: (laughs) i mean you could probably do that yeah you can so was so it was worth it for you Yes, it was. Would you go? Would you go back, like, uh, just for Downtown Disney again? Or oh, yeah, like a okay.
0: It was funny. The next day, we were all like, "Can we go again today?" Like, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I would say, it felt good to have a different, unique Disney experience. Very much so, like how Marceline was a unique experience. I wouldn't usually go to Downtown Disney just to go to Downtown Disney. So it challenged me to what does that day look like if you can't go to the parks
2: oh that must have been so hard for you
0: i know it was (laughs) i know haunted mansion is just around the corner (laughs) (laughs) it definitely put me in a disney mood though and i feel like every night i've watched a different disney movie
2: (laughs) oh really yeah that's funny well something else that put us in a disney mood was going to marceline and we wanted to Uh, finish off our uh, series on the trip that we went there with um, a couple of the cool places that you really should hit and a special interview that we got while we were there.
0: I'm so excited. The interview was amazing, but I'm kind of sad that we're ending only two episodes. I feel like I could talk about this for a long time just because it was so cool and unique. Uh, The two main things that we recommend you'd have to experience are the Walt Disney's Hometown Museum and the farm and the barn. The farm and the barn are free. You can just go. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a family who lives in their old farmhouse and a, you know you can't like explore their house. That would be kind of rude.
1: <laughs> but yeah. they
0: they do have a barn out there that we went in and you sign it and getting to see this property and kind of picture some of these stories that you can read about in the museum was really cool
2: once again it's one of those things where you like you're looking at it and like if you look at a picture of it, you're like well that looks like a barn but when you're actually out there it's just kind of i don't know it has an energy to it and like it feels like it's been preserved from a different time. Um, yeah, which I think is the key thing because, like, I mean, I don't know. I'm from a small town in Kentucky, as I have mentioned, um, <laughs> and there's a number of like rundown barns around. Um, so I'm no stranger to a barn, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, oh, you
0: know, but, you know barns.
2: <laughs> but this one felt, um, I don't know, it just felt like it had been taken care of and it had been loved, and then there was obviously some. Uh, it felt like it was. It felt like you were in that time period, and I think that that's what was really cool, that with the addition of once you walked inside, there was this entire, like, kind of tribute to Walt.
0: Yeah, and how much he has affected people's lives. Yeah. I, I think in addition to what you're saying about that feeling, because I totally get what you're saying about almost feeling like you're going back in time, you park on the side of the road. And then it kind of walks you to where that barn is. And as you're walking, there's some signs and it'll show you where the dreaming tree was. And I feel like that's taking you back in time. That's those steps. As you walk through, it's like all of a sudden I'm in a prairie dress. I don't know.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you might have been with your costume changes. I did. (laughs) There's also a little pond, which I think we hear from a little bit about... um, in the interview. you know in, in the interview to come mm-hmm. uh, so it's just kind of a nice like you can see oh this is a cool place for a kid to grow up
0: you yeah and in our little intro he talked about the barn animals you can picture all of that it's it's really beautiful and it's cool to, to imagine wow this is the spot that really inspired Walt Disney's entire universe. Yes. i don't even know where to start what do you, What was he gonna say like his
2: <laughs> i don't <laughs> know what just, you i don't know sometimes it's just fun because sometimes you start a sentence and you try to find the end of it in the middle of it and <laughs> yes and, and it's just just fun to watch
0: this is an accurate description of my add <laughs> <laughs> i
2: like that um <laughs> yes so the uh Obviously, the barn is definitely worth checking out. Not definitely. It's a it's a must stop if you uh, go to Marceline.
0: Yes. If the weather is good, please spend more time there than we did. <laughs>
2: yeah, we were very cold. We spent
0: a lot of time inside the barn because it was so cold, but I would have loved to walk around a little more. It was mm-hmm. just freezing.
2: And there was wind, whatever. It was, it was not ideal. But one place where we were protected from the wind and um, one place that, you know, if you could only go to one spot, you got to go to the walt disney hometown museum
0: yeah this is the must see it was definitely you know our big ticket item you know that was the e-ticket attraction <laughs> like of that. marceline um you walk in you are and it feels so homey we talked last week about it being the old train station and uh it, it's a really cool looking building but man like it feels like you've like i've been there before even though i haven't does that make sense um
2: i i mean sure it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me but i i didn't get that feeling but that's okay why do you think that you felt like you had been there before what was it about it
0: i don't know it just felt like i i felt comfortable like when you go to the met I don't know if I feel comfortable. Like, I feel like I'm going to break something.
2: (laughs) Sure, sure. Um, I feel like
0: I'm not supposed to be
2: there. (laughs) I can see that. I I don't think I shared that same experience because I don't have the same uh, connection with Disney that you do, but I could buy, you know, for me to try to think about what you're saying there um, and that you have obviously grown up with this being a big part of your life and with these people that this museum is about um being figures in your life as well and knowing about them and 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 kind of experiencing the world through their world world worldview in in a number of different ways so going there you're kind of feeling rooted in sort of where they were rooted and 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 therefore it feels like kind of a a, a return home
0: right yeah that's thank you for using your words
2: (laughs) nailed it Yes. Okay. So that said, regardless, I didn't necessarily feel that way, but I did think that it was a a very cool place to be and to check out. So yeah, the Walt Disney Hometown Museum was established in 2001. It was part of the centennial birthday celebration, the 100th birthday celebration of Marceline's favorite son, Walter Elias Disney. Um, And originally, it was kind of brought out to just be like a, a couple of day thing.
0: It was just a pop up.
2: It was just a it was just a pop up, but it was but it was so popular that people just kind of like kept coming and they were like, well, I guess we have to keep this open. Um, and so yeah, that was back in two thousand one. I guess it's been around for almost twenty. It's been almost twenty years since the inception. Um, this was the first year I think is what Peter told us where it's been open year round.
0: Yes, instead of being seasonal.
2: Instead of being seasonal because it's been so popular, I think in part because you know you can't go to the parks, so let's go on our own little adventure to Marceline.
0: Yeah. The original museum, everything was given uh, by Ruth, Walt Disney's sister. Uh, It was really important to her that the stuff stay in Marceline, the place that really impacted their family and Walt the most. Then as the museum has grown, there's all these new additions. They have a ton of just merch and memorabilia that have been donated by different Disney lovers who are lucky enough to have this cool stuff. Some of it I was like, ooh, I want this. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> really may,
0: may i steal it please
2: <laughs> um and there's even like a cool like modern artist that has done like some paintings that are uh, that are in there as well and i think which i think is really cool because it goes to show that like the interest and the artistic inspiration that uh comes from disney doesn't stop it didn't it didn't stop Fifty years ago, right? It's like people are still today coming out using that as inspiration for their own stuff that they're creating. Um, so yeah, it yeah. really kind of gives you a, a walk through time of his childhood up through um, what we're seeing now.
0: I felt like the flow of the museum was really good. You got to see uh, in each room. There's different videos giving a little more history that you can take the time to watch. Then, in addition to that video, it's like that video is the summary of the room, if you will. And then you'll be able to go in and see, why is Marceline important? Okay, now we're going to dive into a little bit deeper about the Disney family. Talk about his parents, talk about, you know, his sister and her journals and, like, her creative journey through life. Um, And I liked getting to read more about her. I didn't know very much. You mostly hear about Walt and Roy. And it seems like she was a lot more of a, homebody (laughs) like she wasn't um as much she wasn't as uh, adventurous it seems like as they were so I think that is part of why you saw so much of the humility of Walt too because he's just talking to his sister who doesn't seem to be all like big and you know right
2: no that makes sense
0: there's a film that you can watch uh that was pretty long I think it was like an hour and a half film
2: oh yeah that's true um, we did not we did not yeah. watch
0: that uh just felt like being indoors that long with covid would probably not be ideal and, then and we had have, to
2: get to the farm um, and we had to get
0: to the farm yeah trying to cram a lot in and one day they have little videos where you can see cartoons and they have all these really cool miniature models that a fan made of disneyland
2: yeah, I think that was that was almost going to be my uh, intro as to what I was going to be it was like a, something about being a miniature model because um, that was a standout part for me too.
0: That was one of the things I thought was so cool about it was it is a fan. It was not from the Disney company. Somebody took the time to make these beautiful miniatures, and he had asked for the blueprints to make them accurate, and they you know gave them to him,
2: which is pretty wild. I mean, I guess it's also kind of a baller move. You know, it's like, uh, <laughs> it's can true. I have the, the blueprints to the park? And they're like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Are you gonna? You're not gonna make the park, so <laughs> yeah. go for it. Go for it, bud. Good luck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But That's yeah, true. no, it's there. It, that part was very cool. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things that, like, I, I I love a museum. I'm kind of a nerd with some of that stuff. Uh, this was definitely one where I. I think we spent maybe two hours in there. Maybe probably, probably I think two a little hours longer, sh- to be honest. Maybe, maybe a little longer, uh, and I could have gone back the next day and like focused on other areas and spent another two hours, probably. So,
0: yeah, I think we would have spent At more least. time if we had more time in the day. It was literally just us trying to cram in as much as we could, and had to record these wonderful episodes.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know we've talked a little bit about some of our favorite stuff so far um and we did it in the last one that we found in there but there is was there anything else like there that like that surprised you about disney um while you were while you were kind of walking around or anything that stuck with you
0: oh yeah something i didn't know about is club 55 so right club, yeah i thought that was so interesting and Why am I learning about it there for the first time? So Club 55 was a club founded in 1970 by Mr. Van France, who was the former manager of Disney University, and he wanted to celebrate the cast members. So uh, Club 55 was, if you got a paycheck from Disney in 1955, you could be in this cool club.
2: Yeah, which is pretty neat.
0: Yeah, and a lot of those people continue to work at the Disney company for the rest of their career. I love that that was a way to celebrate these people who took a chance on what now is what it is cuz people did not know what to expect when Disneyland first opened.
2: I've worked for a lot of like tech startups. Oh, um just to peel worked back for the all of a little them. bit. <laughs> every single one basically. And there's definitely there's always some some kind of like uh oh, I'm employee number X, Y, Z, or I'm employee number, you know, 13. And every, it's like kind of cool to be there on the ground floor. Um, I think being part of Club 55 and being on the ground floor of like Disney parks is probably better than most of <laughs> what I have to offer. But we'll see, you know, it's still early.
0: There you go. You don't know yet. Yeah. This, this would be something really special. If any of you knew what this was or have like a relative that worked there, you have to tell me because... That would be amazing, yeah. Yeah, that's so special. And I just to see the growing pains of that first year, I'm sure was fascinating.
2: Yeah. We should uh I mean, we should see if we can get someone to come on.
0: I would love that. That would yeah. be super cool. I I feel like I feel like I became more of a Disney nerd. I got an even deeper appreciation, if that's even possible, from going to this museum.
2: Yeah. I I buy that too.
0: Hopefully we've uh, expressed that through this podcast, and hopefully we've encouraged you to check out Marceline. But before we leave you, we have something super special. We had the honor of getting to interview Peter Whitehead, who is the creative director of the Walt Disney Hometown Museum. His love of Disney is matched only to mine.
2: (laughs) And his Uh, snark is matched only to mine. So he's uh, kind of a great combination.
0: Did you even realize that? He was meant to be our (laughs) friend. Hi, Peter. I hope that you enjoy listening. Uh, This is super special. I've re-listened to it already. (laughs) So I really hope you guys enjoy
2: hey guys will here um just want to let you know while we were recording this we did socially distance and everyone was uh everyone had masks on um while we were recording so just a heads up in case there's any funny audio um i think it sounds pretty good but uh there are a couple of times where you can hear um some muffledness and that's you know because we're being safe and we're, we're recording through masks so uh that said enjoy
0: Will and I made the grand trip up to Marceline, Missouri, and got to spend time in the Walt Disney Home Museum. Very unexpectedly, we had the luckiest, most amazing thing happen, and we get to interview Peter Whitehead, the creative director of the Walt Disney Hometown Museum. Hi, Peter.
1: Hi there. How are you? Oh,
0: I'm so excited. I can tell. (laughs) I love it. I came in, and I had a a beanie with two little ears, and he's like, hmm.
1: There we go. A Disney fan. You stood out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love people who go through the process of dressing for their visit. It tells me instantaneously that they've made a pilgrimage here because they know how special it is. So I love that.
0: Yeah. I actually have a whole set of costume changes in the car. Oh, Lord. So that for each place, I can take different pictures. That's
1: impressive. Good for you. You're getting You're a, a glimpse planer. into what I have to deal with. That's, yes. so. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. Yeah. That's it's great. I, I hardly ever travel with a change of clothes now for <laughs> the photos so that's you've got me.
0: <laughs> well Peter what brought you here?
1: Uh my son and kind of a shared passion for Disney. Our family is just big into Disney and when he got a job uh at Epcot in the Canadian pavilion he wanted to visit Marceline before he went on his Disney journey. So we came here, did not know there was a museum here, just wanted to experience Marceline and it is a pretty magical little place. I can Totally identify with why Walt would connect with this little uh, piece of heaven. So we uh, explored the museum when we were here, and uh, they were happened, you know, uh, through conversation, found out they were hiring a director at some point, and I just reached out as a Disney fan, thinking that might be the greatest job that you could ever have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah, it was fun. It's glad, I'm glad it worked out. Because yeah. It's not easy to jump across the border to, to take a job elsewhere, as you would probably know, but it's, it's, yeah, it was, it all worked out and it's, um it's been five years and we've kind of transformed our story here and, and done some really lovely things to this museum, which, uh, which my son and I talked about on our trip, which is the funny thing when we kind of think back on it, when we, when we came through this museum, we talked about what we would do if this was our museum, oh, which is wow. such a geeky Disney thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, it was about a year and a bit later, we were sitting uh, upstairs on the back of Walt's porch. And we were like, oh, we talked about this when we were here because there was nothing upstairs. And now it's uh, we're sitting on Walt's porch. So how weird is that? But it was... So that when you came here, there's
0: none of what we saw.
1: It was all temporary. So the thing that a lot of people don't realize when they come to this museum is we were only scheduled to be open for three days. Uh, We were here to celebrate Walt's 100th birthday. Um, This museum is in a 1913 Santa Fe railway station that had been uh, neglected for uh, the better part of a decade. So it was uh, abandoned through and through. And the first gallery, our Marceline Gallery, was the extent of our museum for uh, our opening day. And there was just a a few easels set up and a pretty simplistic story, but a beautiful story about Walt's time in Marceline. And uh, three days after the celebration was over and people thought we would shut down, people just kept coming. And we are going to be celebrating our 20th anniversary next year. So we just slowly took spaces over. But when I was here, where we are sitting right now is a storage space for instance oh, wow. and now it is our uh, main entryway and our our uh, museum store and upstairs where the uh, park school classroom is and the uh, the Disneyland model and Walt's uh, porch was a temporary display it was a, a series of gray um, plexiglass or not plexiglass uh, plywood walls with eight by ten photos on it it was kind of a find your own story experience upstairs and Um, So that was the very first thing I did when I came to the museum was I had carte blanche to, to change whatever story I wanted and upstairs seemed like it needed a hug. So I went upstairs and we gutted it in our off season and um, yeah, we started rebuilding new spaces and new stories and just figured out how to tell, um, you know, it's, it's, I often talk about when you move your couch in your living room and everyone says, oh, you did redid your living room. (laughs) How awesome. We had some really beautiful pieces that were just hidden in my eyes. So just shining a light on them in a different way brings them out.
0: Well, the museum is amazing. And we really enjoyed it. We're so glad that we were able to come. What got you into Disney in the first place besides coming to Marceline? Sure.
1: Uh, Weirdly, Walt. So you might understand because you do vibrate at a a cool Disney frequency. um, (laughs) That... I really love Walt Disney more than I love Disneyland or Disney World or the company or the movies. I love the thought process of this incredibly creative human being. Yeah. So before I continue that story, we'll wait for these people to walk by. Totally. In our museum.
0: We're recording in the museum. We are. With our masks on.
1: You're you're totally
2: fine. We're not live, so we're just recording. Oh, you're good.
1: Yeah, no, by all means. Yeah. So you're about to go into the... um, the next portion of the museum is the collectors' guide. So yeah. it is as it sounds. It's from collectors all over North America who wanted to showcase their favorite pieces in there. So every little green card will talk about the collector or how that piece came into their collection. All right, thank
2: you. I think the guitar is super cool. That's kind of my favorite. It is hand painted guitar. There's some cool
1: pieces in there. That's yeah,
2: it. I took a picture to send. My what a mind. monster we
1: created in that gallery space because <laughs> <laughs> it was supposed to be temporary. And it, oh wow! It's now in its third year and it's not going anywhere.
0: Oh, but, oh I love anyway. it.
1: That uh, was. Uh, Oh, no, well, sorry, go ahead. Well, I can't even remember what we were talking about Where uh, your, love, your
0: love of Disney. Oh, so Walt. The wall.
1: Yeah, it, it, there is just something magical about his thought process and, and what he did and how he did it. So I grew up um, a couple hours north of Toronto. My dad uh, retired and we had a cottage up north and we moved up north and we got three whole channels on TV and one of them happened to show Wonderful World of Disney on Sundays. So that was my first... Um meeting with Walt as a human being, and the things I loved most if if they were playing a movie or something, I, I don't know if I was as interested as the films that were behind the scenes at Disneyland or this is how we made this film, and you got to hear and see Walt working. and I just thought, who's this guy? like that's super cool. like that's I came from a kind of creative family. My dad was in advertising f- in a studio, so I the thought of creating was not foreign to me but not at that level so
0: and you're a um you're a documentary filmmaker
1: i did yeah so in a, in a whole other lifetime i had <laughs> kind of 20 years in advertising as creative director and then i left with a dop that i was working with at a uh a production house and we thought you know telling stories in 30 seconds is really fun but wouldn't it be great to tell a story in uh you know a longer format and then that is the funny thing about coming to this museum because i i certainly didn't have Uh, a museum background, but I think I have a background in storytelling and it's just a dimensional way to tell a story now. It's not on film. Um, The thing about a documentary, as you'll be aware, is when you're finished your documentary, the only thing that you can derive from that documentary is what I give you. Mm -hmm. Because they don't know what you shot and didn't cut in or what you decided not to share in your documentary. So you're just giving a perspective. Uh, Here, it's more than that, because people come, and they know Disney incredibly (laughs) passionately, and so they will correct you, or they will, like, say that's not 100% accurate, or I love that story, or I don't like that photo. I mean, Disney people talk Disney, so you you have to be dimensional here in your storytelling, but you have to be very accurate as well.
0: Yeah, you can clearly see the storytelling in this museum. You start in seeing his love of trains which is one of my favorite Walt things is his obsession with trains (laughs) and then you get to kind of go through some of his life um coming to Marceline his family and one of the coolest things that I thought you have is these letters that he's writing back to his sister and that's when you really get to see that personal touch of him being like I'm really busy but I'm thinking of you and here's these things and here's what's going on in Disneyland right now.
1: Yeah, and that is that is from the eye of a Disney fan because I will tell you, especially in this, you know, not to date this podcast, but in the midst of a global pandemic, <laughs> uh, people come here because they're very big Disney fans and they will spend hours in this museum doing exactly what you just talked about, reading letters, reading newspaper clippings, soaking in nuances that casual Disney fans or... Or people who just desperately, as we talked about before, need to get out of the house and are not Disney fans, they'll they'll take, again, what you give them. So they'll watch our story stations, they'll sit down and watch a film, but they'll cycle through this museum in an hour and leave with a big smile on their face, but you just know that they've missed out on so much. So, yeah, those letters are amazing.
0: It's really cool. I I hope that, you know, the people listening that are like me please, this is such a great experience to come to Marceline during the time where the parks, you might not be comfortable going there or while Disneyland is closed. Here's another unique Disney experience that you literally cannot get anywhere else.
1: Yeah, and it is a pilgrimage for sure because it is not convenient. And I often talk about, you almost wish Walt was madly in love with St. Louis or Kansas City (laughs) or Los Angeles because... That's a major metropolitan area and you could build a museum there and, and, and you can run it just fine off of the generosity of the, the people who come and visit you. We're in a very unique situation where the only place to tell this story and, and literally by keeping a promise to Walt's sister Ruth to tell their story here, that is the birth of this museum. It is Ruth Disney who had a lifetime of memories that she wanted shared here. That is the commitment. So every day when I unlock this door, uh, that is fulfilling a direct promise to a Disney family member to keep the story alive, but it takes people like you um, and people who have never been here, just Disney fans who will reach out and go, I know the importance of that story, so we need to keep it going.
0: Yeah. Do you have a favorite Walt story that you've gotten to learn in working here?
1: Well, there's there's tons. the thing that I love, just because you can experience it. So there's nothing like being on the ground here and physically seeing space. And I was reminded of it by a gentleman by the name of Floyd Norman, who did a little video for our gala just last year. And he talked about this moment because he was on the farm. And, and Walt talks about how his father, to show off to um, guests who came to the farm, would get Walt to ride the pig. <laughs> and he, he, he fancied himself the champion pig rider of Marceline. And he talks about, in an interview that we have in our archives, uh, riding the pig until the pig jumped into the pond. That was the only way to get Walt off the back of the pig. <laughs> and the thing is, you can be on the farm in the proximity from the barn to the pond that he is talking about. You can see it. You can experience it. It weirdly gives it a new dynamic and a, just a depth Of that story that if you heard it you'd laugh and it'd be cute but to be physically there and and that is the next logical expansion for us is to do um things like with qr codes on your smartphone and walk over to the to the farm and click a qr code and hear that story there
0: yeah that would be really cool well it looks like you guys are expanding a lot you were kind of telling us before we started talking um you made a partnership just yesterday
1: we just announced yeah and a partnership with disney fine arts so that is again if you uh you know as you wandered through the museum you've seen uh, a number of pieces by an artist named Arcy. Uh he came and did a piece at the side of our um, staircase that celebrates the dreaming tree he did a piece for our friends at d23 when they came and um, had an event here two years ago when we just started and talked about the a Midget Autopia track. Uh, So he did a Midget Autopia piece in eight hours, like that day when everyone was there. And the piece upstairs in particular, the cool thing that, like, this is the first time I've been able to talk about it publicly, is uh, he did a piece of Walt. Um, Just, he does a very, um, it's hard to explain his background, splashes of colors around uh, a really kind of core image. And he did one of Walt. And he did it for a... um, a project that we had uh, every year, where you do paintings on Main Street, and and he did it on Main Street. It's three eight by four sheets, so it's I think it's eight by twelve in total on um, on wood, on wow. plywood. And he did it on Main Street, and he had always wanted to work for Disney Fine Arts. Could not find his way in, could not get his foot in the door. Did that project, added it to his portfolio, and then magically. Uh, Disney Fine Arts uh, accepted him into the program. So the thing about Arcee is he's an incredibly humble human being and incredibly talented. Oh yeah. And it, there is no doubt that he would have. Oh, we're gonna get a train now too. We're gonna get a little <gasps> bit of everything in this oh, podcast. Oh, we this,
0: Wait, I I hope that I I like to keep going through it. Yep. Because I love it. Well, we're I mean, having to stop. It's
2: for extra a train. loud now, so maybe. Yeah, let's wait.
1: And, and it'll get it'll cool down kind of now. As yeah. soon as the engine goes by, it, it there's just a dull roar now, but.
2: We we had this with, because uh, we recorded it in the Airbnb, so Okay, while we were doing the Haunted Mansion one last night, it was kept having to stop for trains. Yeah, it's- that
1: train we can see through the door as we're sitting in the front space, and it's uh, set back, it's 15 feet to the closest track.
2: Wow,
0: That's I mean, crazy. I was
1: going
2: to say,
0: this is so cool, it's right
1: there. Yeah, it is there yeah
2: I also really like the r c stuff and i when I was up there I was like this guy i i like wrote him down' I was like i want to look up his other work'cause
1: he is unbelievable and he's toured all over the world i mean he's he's an unbelievable artist, but he kind of he uh, s- silly enough um credits the museum with giving him the the wherewithal to put his disney side forward and get into disney fine arts he would have Got there eventually because he's just too talented. But I love that he associates us with that piece. And the, the thing is that we get thousands of people through this museum that the first question is, oh, the RC piece upstairs of Walt, do you have a copy of it? Can I get a copy yeah. of it? And it, it's, we haven't because Walt is a really hard person to get permission from the Disney company to use in an art form. Oh, sure. Because uh, he's their trademarked symbol, he is their everything. So, uh, just two weeks ago, um, RC, uh, announced that he was, that was going to be his next, uh, canvas. So through, um, canvas on treasures that they do through Disney fine arts, uh, today will be the first day, like literally in a, an hour and a half now when I get home, I'm going to announce that you're going to be able to get that as a canvas piece through us. That's amazing. Uh, that online.
0: is so cool. Yeah.
1: It's that partnership is a big deal. I mean, we're a pretty small museum. Um, we get a lot of hugs from the Disney company in terms of helping us tell our stories. So our relationship is primarily through uh, the Disney archives and through D23 as a fan club event. So we go to all the D23 events and D23 comes and, and experiences Marceline with their fans often. But uh, it it is great to to always find a new little corner to approach and hug and uh, Marceline is such a part of the tapestry of that company because it is part of Walt so you can't deny it as an entity or or how important it is in the core structure of that company right so it is great that that we get that opportunity to work together uh, more more and more
0: I I think that where uh, this museum is so special in Marceline itself is that even though it's not like Everyone's like, well, he was born in Chicago. And you're like, okay, that's, if you listen to anything he says, this town is where he believes, this is his childhood. And he kept a piece of it everywhere he went throughout his career. What is your favorite piece here in the museum?
1: Uh, so there's a few. Uh, the, the joke, and I've said this in, in more than one occasion, that we have two Mickeys that were Walt and Roy's gifts to their parents on the 50th anniversary. So I'm a Mickey guy. I got a Mickey tattoo. I, Mickey's my guy. Um, I often joke with our docents that if those are not in one morning and I do not come into work, then I'm never coming into work again and I have stolen those pieces and I'm across the border, hopefully safely. Um, So they are special, but I would say pieces that are overlooked. So on two weirdly different levels, Um, Walt, during the 50th anniversary, was a man of means. He brought some recording equipment like like you have, not this funky, but from the studio. And recorded his parents for their 50th anniversary. And they made three copies of that record. And Walt had one and Roy had one. And one went to their parents. And when his parents passed away, it was handed down to their daughter. And when their daughter passed away, gave it to the museum. So I can't get over the fact that the record that you might have seen in the gallery space uh, for the anniversary is one of three on the face of the earth. Like, that is it. And it's the only one that I know that's been digitized. So you can hear... Walt tells stories that you just cannot hear anywhere else. Right. You know, he talks about where their names came from and um, how Flora and Elias met and where they met. and.
0: For those listening that don't know, where did their names come from?
1: Well, the, the one that I love is, is Roy. They talk about Roy. Roy's middle name is Oliver, and apparently Oliver came from a lumber company truck that happened to drive by, (laughs) which is so funny because he hated it for that reason. It was like, it means nothing other than it was a lumber truck that went by. Um, So I think that's kind of funny, Uh, but it also just gives a side of them that you don't often hear. So I love that they laugh about stuff like that. I mean, that is, as we talked about in the letters, it's a unique take on a family that people don't talk about. Like people talk about the Kennedys as an American family you know there is maybe nothing much more american than walt disney yeah. but don't but they don't associate it with a family right you know i mean walt and roy of course but there is a much bigger you know group at work and how they communicate how they talk how they love and laugh and mourn over the their parents death and that's all shared in some of these letters it's it's special
0: yeah i would say that you definitely see the human side of Walt And something that um, videos that you see as you walk around and stuff you could read throughout the museum brought that up a lot. You know, he's just a guy. He's just a guy. Yeah. And he didn't expect any special treatment, though, obviously, the city of Marceline seemed to want to give it to him as much as possible because yeah. <laughs> he was giving back so much to the city.
1: Yep. I think about it a lot. When you have a conversation and someone goes, oh, if there's, if you could have dinner with like three people from any time in the planet, where would you... And everybody goes, oh, I'd want to eat with my parents because I miss my parents. And I think, like, I would want to eat with my parents because then I would lose them again in an hour and then I would be heartbroken again. That's so true. I don't <laughs> want to go have an, you know, eat dinner with my parents who yeah. probably just yell at me for what I'm wearing and <laughs> my posture. But I would love... To have a meal with walt disney yeah like what a down to earth cool moment that would be oh yeah because you could ask him things that he probably doesn't think about at the time when he was still alive that have grown to such substance through his passing that that he you know we talk about it in the museum a lot when there's a story it's like uh oh well, you know apparently he did this apparently he did that you think it's true maybe it's true but the only one that could answer that was walt right so what a joy to you know take him out of the freezer and and chat with him for an hour uh yeah that would be pretty magical
0: i always i always challenge people with this question of who do you think has accomplished more as just a one person individual than walt disney i can't think of anybody people will be like "Uh, you know steve jobs i'm like no
1: (laughs) No, he was a great marketer, but he had a he had a team of people producing something pretty special for him to market right. to, yeah. which is crazy. Like Walt, he he lost a lot, you know, in Kansas City, as you're well aware. So, you know, he he didn't hit a home run every time he Will, swung. Will to, might not the be well aware. I think our listeners are I'm not. I would guess. Know. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, it's where he faced not only one but two bankruptcies in his life. So uh, okay. he had a he was working at a place called Pessman Rubin Commercial Art Studios. Uh, he met Ub Iwerks at at that very short period of time. They worked together and they became such good friends. They started their own production company after that. So it was Iwerks Disney Productions. Uh, it, it failed. And then, of course, um, when he had laugh Studios in Kansas City, before he went off in 1923 to become the Walt that everyone knows, that also went, you know, it faced bankruptcy, sadly. So he didn't always hit a home run, but the sheer number of home runs that he did, and he had everything on the line when he did. So he yeah. could have just lost everything repeatedly, but he wasn't shy to to know what he wanted, have a dream, fulfill that dream no matter what. Um, that's stunning to me.
0: I agree. I have a question. I didn't see anything in here, and I may have missed it, but I know he also had a obsession with Lincoln. Yeah. Was it here at this elementary school that he would dress up and like quote? No. Okay,
1: no, but it, it we so in the the interesting thing in the farm that you can visit still um, inside the house that's there, even though it doesn't look anything like obviously Walt's home. The current owners, when they purchased that property, uh, they purchased it directly from Retlaw Walt's private company because they were partners in purchasing. Um, land in the area for potentially a working turn of the century farm in Marceline. So when that project did not go through, uh, Roy Disney reached out to the partner here and said, you have first right of refusal to buy back whatever property that you would like. And they bought the farm back. So that farm is still intact because that family still owns it. And when they built the addition that you'll see the big red farmhouse, they built around the original Disney farmhouse. So it is still intact inside their
0: home
1: so in walt and roy's bedroom um is the lincoln hat and kind of a nod to that too so that is a yeah that's an insider baseball kind of thing that not a lot of people know that connection but he was fascinated with with abe lincoln but i don't think that originated in marceline but we certainly celebrated here a little bit
0: okay that's awesome yeah well on in on the land one of the big things that is always talked about is the dreaming tree it's on your shirt. Um, I also bought a sweatshirt and it has the tree on it. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, it is uh, the place that Walt, um, he credits with the kind of infancy of his artistic, uh, not ability, but um, fascination with, the, with art. He Essentially, his job on the farm was to look after his little sister. So they would leave uh, the farm and go to the back of the farm and they would crawl under this uh, beautiful cottonwood tree. And it was a thing that Walt called belly botany. So he he laid in the grass and drew whatever flew or hopped or crawled by. Uh, So every time that he came back to visit Marceline, subsequent to that, he wanted to go back and have time at his dreaming tree. So it it obviously meant a lot to him for a number of reasons, and we celebrate that as the first thing when I came to the museum and and started to to brand us the dreaming tree was the obvious starting point for that so that is our logo it's the starting point for his artistic career um, and that yeah beautiful cottonwood tree fell five years ago but if you're a Disney fan, you can still celebrate it today. There's pieces in the museum. You can physically purchase pieces in the museum. But just to go by the sun of Dreaming Tree on the farm, there's still, like, upstairs, you can touch a piece of the Dreaming Tree. So, again, for Disney fans. We did. We, it, we
0: definitely it, of course did. Of course you did. Even during COVID, I was like, all right, immediately get hand sanitizer you after. have to touch it. But we had to touch yeah. it. Um, even, like, this was also just kind of a special cottonwood tree itself.
1: It was. So I'm I'm not super up and onto botany and all that stuff. But when you <laughs> investigate cottonwood trees, I believe cottonwood trees do not necessarily live uh, a long, long life. But uh, when the um, uh, American Society of Historical Trees, I think it was, or Preservation of Trees, they wanted to harvest seeds. And they needed to know that that tree was the tree that would have been on the Disney farm at the time. So it had to be of a certain age. So they uh, dated that tree and found out that not only um, (laughs) was it there for Walt's time, but at the time it was 120 years old, which is pretty stunning on its own. Yeah. Um, So they harvested seeds. Uh, We took saplings from it. Uh, There were three in total, one called the Son of Dreamy tree, which now exists about 30 feet away from the original tree. There's a secondary one on the farm that we kind of keep hidden so that um, we can protect it. And the third was given to Disneyland, and it was put on Tom Sawyer's Island and just recently moved because they they did all the work for Star Wars Land, and they thought visually it wasn't in keeping with that look, so they've moved it. Um, we don't know exactly where it I'm is, but ask. Disney knows where it is. I'm sure they know where
0: it is. They so. know everything. Yeah. They have a weird relationship with, like, trees and plant life, too, so I wonder if that stemmed at all stemmed. from
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> at all from this. Uh, We we did uh, purchase a little piece so I can continue to have the little magic in my home. Well, oh my God, thank you so much for doing this. I feel like, you know, you're talking about how you look at Walt. I'm like, you're like a celebrity (laughs) being here.
1: No, but thank you. No, I'm not. I'm uh, like anyone who um, understands a good story, You know, I'm just here to make sure that it exists for the next generation. That is maybe my biggest worry is that Walt Disney became a brand and not Mm -hmm. a human being. Right. So we talk about that a lot, that he's a human being. I mean, he's a person. And I think it's important for everyone, especially in this weird time that we're living in. But anyone in a small town, we were talking about growing up in a small town, what are your dreams, your aspirations? They go as far sometimes as the borders of your small town. What did your dad do? That's what I'm going to do. Um, Walt never lived by those parameters. Uh, He was as big a dreamer as anyone that I've certainly known in my life. And what a great story or what a great thing to hand down to kids that you can be anything that you want it's such a cliche thing to say and you know you hear it from your parents all the time because they want you to move out of the house and (laughs) all that fun stuff but you can be anything you want walt could have been anything he wanted to do and he maybe became the most famous human being on the face of the earth not too shabby
0: yeah Yeah.
2: that's great uh i would encourage anyone to come check this out and we'll both do that in the intro and the outro of this but like yeah Thank you so much. This has yeah. been yes,
0: super thank you. Thanks for coming. Yes, thank you. Yay. Yay. Thank you so much again, Peter. That was amazing. Thank you for giving us an even deeper dive into the museum and all of what is coming up for them. Uh, I hope as it continues to grow, we'll be able to take a visit back.
2: And thanks, Peter, for selling us dope merch.
0: Oh, my God. We bought the entire store. <laughs> <laughs> it was.
2: It's very cool stuff.
0: I Yeah, I have so much stuff now. Just because I was like, okay, well, I, I don't know if I'll be back. So I need this and this and this. And they even have this little grab bag of, like, random, you don't know like what it's going to be. Bag. Yeah.
2: bag. It's we're for like, kids, but.
0: We're like, yeah, we need that too, probably. Sure, what's in there? <laughs> it was great. Um, We're excited to share. I'm trying to put together all of our pictures and videos that we took while we were in Marceline. I want that to be a special surprise for our listeners uh, as we are growing Slice of Disney. And you will be able to check that out hopefully soon. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Please reach out to us, email us, um, check in. Uh, You can follow us on social media on Slice of Disney on Facebook and Instagram and Slice underscore of underscore Disney on Twitter.
2: You can email us at sliceofdisneypod at gmail.com. We've gotten some cool emails from people. I was about to
0: say that. I l- I, it like, excites me to no end to hear from people. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: Um, so keep sending those, please. Uh, and make sure to rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and share with a friend because the reason that we get to do this stuff and the reason that we like to do this stuff is because we are building a little community out there and, um, and we like to get to know you guys too. So... Uh, the more that we can build that, the more fun we can all have together.
0: Yes. I also want to keep doing contests and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I like being involved. So uh, please reach out. I hope you have a wonderful week. Okay, bye.